the earliest memory you have of your life is actually quite influential in where you go with your life. And my earliest memory is being about three years old, youngest of five, and my parents took me with them to drive into New York City to the airport to pick up someone at the airport. This is 1963, so it was before the National Environmental Policy Act. I remember crying because my eyes hurt from the air pollution going into New York City. That's my earliest memory, is having my eyes burned from, because the air was so toxic. But at three years old, I knew like there is something wrong here, like something wrong with the planet. And you know, I don't know what my parents said to me, but I, but I somehow understood that we had done this to ourselves. time in the woods escaping from my crazy family and that was really important time for me and the you know where I could actually be myself just have some freedom I did a lot of observation and I went to an alternative school for eighth grade it was an open classroom school I had a year where I was free to be me there were no grades there were no formal classes it was very self-directed and that changed my life helped me connect to that part of myself that that wants to learn and to really express that in a way that, you know, I did in public school, but not to the same, you know, I still had all those impositions of grades and expectations on me. I mean, I was 13 when President Nixon resigned, you know. Um, I've been a, 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 an authority questioner for a long time. Now some people look at me as an authority, so I question myself, I guess. But. <laughs> <laughs> I've been questioning myself all along, so that's no different. But. So I left high school after 10th grade and began an environmental studies major degree and took ecology at the age of 16 from a PhD ecologist. Reductionism is where you try to understand things by breaking them into smaller and smaller parts. Microbiology is being like, you know, a, a defining force, which it is. But there's also integrations that happen at larger levels that have their own emergent properties that need to be addressed and dealt with. And I, and, and actually most ecology taught even then was reduction ecology. I just happened to have a professor who was a systems ecologist. And that's a completely different orientation to what ecology is and how, how the world works. And it was a major influence on my life at 16. And I got that not just in ecology class at Simon Rock, but also I took a math and computing class. I was learning basic computer programming at 16 in 1976 from one of the people who had worked with Danella Meadows to produce the, the Limits to Growth study. So he was a computer systems modeler, and he was teaching us systems thinking and math and computing as one class. So I was learning systems thinking and doing basic computer programming to do systems modeling mm. and generating computer models. There's so many pieces of all that that are critical, but um, in terms of how they've affected my, my worldview, just the idea of models of reality 
and how words are models of reality and the, the map is not the territory and all this makes so much sense. Why are we not applying this to the way that we humans are living? And so I started trying to invent applied ecology because I couldn't find any researchers or writers on that topic in 1976 except for Ian McCarg, Design with Nature, a land use planning book. And that was a critical influence for me too. But I, my first year in college, I decided that my senior thesis, I was going to have to, have to do a senior thesis, was going to be a land use plan of the Simon Rock campus. And I spent basically three and a half years working on that. Basically was teaching my, my faculty about land use planning. I was doing all the research myself, figuring it all out, making it, making it up as best I could, you know, from what little I had from Ian McCarg, and then doing my own invention of it. And that's, you know, all these pieces, the, the self-education, the self-directed learning, the burning eyes at three years old, the ecology, the systems, systems thinking, all of that ties together into design, to land use planning and landscape design quite beautifully. It's quite, quite a great integration. I heard about permaculture when I was 19. I went to the Institute for Social Ecology for the summer program in, in 1979, and one of my professors there, Charles Woodard, uh, was teaching the biological agriculture class I was taking, and he held up Permaculture One class and said, buy this book from Australia. It just got published in Australia. I rode away to Australia. I got the book, and that, you know, I've spent three years trying to invent, apply ecology. Well, here was... 10 steps ahead of me, some folks who were doing the same thing, and that's how I got into permaculture, and that's what led me to design as a, as a modality, and that's how I ended up going to the Conway School of Landscape Design, which because I wanted to be a professional permaculture designer. Conway School is a very unique program, very small school, 18 students the year I was there, right along the lines of you know alternative education, questioning authority, my own self-directed approach, you know, taking the pieces I was looking to put together from that program to do what I want to do, you know, and then just heading out on my own and, you know, getting my degree from the from HKU, the School of Hard Knocks. Ended up writing the Edward Forest Gardens book because after a bunch of years of trying to do permaculture and helping create the market for permaculture in the Northeast and organizing on a continental level for a bunch of years and all that kind of stuff. I met Eric Tonesmeyer. He was just getting out of school. I was hanging out, talking plants and talking about, you know, there's all these books being written about permaculture. Most of them are regurgitations of Bill Mollison and aren't really breaking new ground. And they're all for climates other than the Northeast, you know, where we lived. And uh, it's like, well, someone from North America needs to write a book. What would that topic be? Well, obviously, it's going to be about forest gardening, which is, you know, the core of what the permaculture idea was about in the beginning was perennial agriculture. And so we decided to write that book. Yeah. <laughs> and it says in here, Carrie and Alan, enjoy the adventure. Dave Jackie, look at that. Yeah. Well, I have been enjoying the adventure. So thank you for that blessing. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we went as far back as we did because I love that the first thing someone might mention is a degree and you know, but no, it's it's the burning eyes as a child. It's the time you spent figuring things out. The burning eyes as a child just led me to to question, like what the heck's going? Why is this is this is not how it should be? And despite being imposed upon by, by the culture and by what is what what a, what a man or a boy is supposed to be and. All that bullshit, my direct experience of the world is like, something's wrong here. 
Earth Alchemy is the podcast of Forest Ranch Regenerative. You can find short films about regenerative agriculture and living at YouTube slash Forest Ranch Regenerative. But also fun photos of my adventures on Instagram, great conversations and shared resources on Facebook, and thoughtful essays on our WordPress site. Any of these resources and channels can be easily found by typing our name into your favorite search engine. If you like what you hear and would like to support my efforts, you can find Forest Ranch Regenerative on Patreon to make a simple one-time or regular donation. But most of all, I hope you've enjoyed and added to your beautiful perspective through this podcast episode. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful, regenerative, and peaceful day.